Talking Toro, episode thirty-one. Two in a week, Robert. Uh, we are treating that. We are treating the public, aren't we? We, <laughs> I guess, when we decided to do a second one this week, we were hoping Torino would be in the semi-finals of the Coppa Italia. Alas, this is Torino. They've let us down. Rob, how are you feeling? The I think the worst part was um, that I was I was watching the game on the stream. Not this isn't the worst part, but one of the worst parts of this whole game. Which obviously I was at the wedding uh, for the Empoli game, so I had notifications on my phone, and then was watching this game on a slight delay. So actually saw actually saw notification of the goal on my phone before I actually saw it, which is possibly the worst way to watch a football match when you School know boy. what's going. It's like schoolboy. It's, it's like walking into a film just and seeing the ending, and then somebody like, "Oh, do you want to watch the film?" Not, not particularly. So obviously, yes, I, like. Torino had possession when I realised that we were one 0 down. I was like, "Oh, how on earth are we going to mess this up?" Um, I thought we played well in the first half. I thought when it started on and and Richie had that early chance, I was thinking, "Oh, this is basically the the Torino in Florence of two weeks ago. We're we're definitely up for this." Um, and then yeah, we I think Fiorentina played a lot better. I think you've got to give them credit for that. They definitely seemed a lot more motivated for the game. Maybe some of the um, changes that Italiano made sort of helped them in that. And then obviously Torino were on the surface a bit weaker, I suppose, with no Lukic. But obviously we, we did play Adopo in that game. Uh, would he have been a better option than Linetti? Then possibly. Um, but yeah, second half was probably the disappointment. We just didn't, we didn't really turn up. And I, I don't, I did think it was a foul for the goal though. I don't think enough of this was made, um, well, but I don't think the commentator really mentioned it. But uh, Jovic does give Rodriguez a pretty hefty push in the in the back. Whether it, I don't think it even went to VAR, but I've seen I've seen goals overturned for less than that. If you think of, um, I think Torino have had a similar goals where a slight push has been enough to sort of make the referee sort of at least consult it to VAR. But yeah, I think it was it's it's one of those regret one regretting games because you obviously probably go on to this as well but you look what happened in the in the other quarterfinal with Romo and Cremonese like Torino could have had the opportunity to be playing Cremonese in a two-legged tie to get to a Coppa Italia final and the reality is when are we ever going to get that chance again it's taken I mean I've been a fan for nearly 20 years and this is the, the best opportunity I've seen of us getting to a semi-final. So is it going to be another 20 years for us to get this again? I think, unfortunately, that might be the case. Yeah, um, I, I I watched the game in my office, actually, and actually the, I found the kickoff time and the fact I was watching it in my office, I, I wasn't particularly tense about the game, just maybe because the environment I was in, I think it had, had it been later. But I also do that thing where a fan does, I tried to kind of, I tried to kind of, um, I guess devalue the significance of the game. Take the pressure off myself. When I'm by, you by weren't actually playing. You weren't actually playing in the game, Peter. Yeah, no. So the game, I would say, it passed me by a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, going on to your point on the on the Italian commentary I watched, they did they did reference the push, but they also they thought uh, Rodriguez mistimed his jump, and um, that's why it wasn't kind of checked. Um, yeah, the game itself, it's just, 
I, get, I think the autopsy of the game is probably uh, the autopsy of the kind of situation is probably a little bit more relevant than the autopsy of the game. It was, it was like you said, we started very well. I think if we'd taken one of those early chances, um, but yeah, the last ten minutes and the uh, the first and the last ten minutes were quite good. Uh, well, maybe not even maybe the last three minutes were quite good. Uh, I I left my office at two nil when Ikone scored because I was in a bit of a rush to get home, and then I got to the bottom of the stairs in my office and saw Caramel scored. I had these visions of it being two two by the time I'd uh, got to the first set. And Sanabria tried to. Yeah, having to turn back, but the game. Yeah, uh, there's um. I see. I felt like t- um, Torino Twitter went into a complete meltdown after this game. I actually took myself off it because I didn't want to like live live in an echo chamber for a, for a few days. Because I mean, what I saw there were a lot of quite reasoned points, but there I saw a lot of kind of eighteen year old Torino fans having a moan. I mean, they've not they've not had Serie B for for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I mean, they've had the, the me- mediocrity of the Cairo years, but. Um, a few things. Fiorentina aren't the dog and duck pub, you know. They started this game favourites by virtue of home advantage, by virtue of they, having better squad. They were the bookie favourites as well. Yeah, and there's a there's a reason this completely flawed format of the Coppa Italia it ensures Torino by the time they get to, well, this is the other thing, and it goes to the ambition of Cairo. But if Torino want to have a run in the Coppa Italia, they've got to do better better in the leagues to get a better ranking than the Coppa Italia. And until they change the format, it's flawed. It's flawed that a team always, certain teams always have home games. And, you know, you're never going to see Torino play Milan at home in the Coppa Italia. It's it, it's, a, it, it's a sick format. Um, but, yeah, there, there's a lot on Twitter. Uh, yeah, a lot on Twitter. You know, Fiorentina, they're not, they're not the dog and duck. You know, Fiorentina, Fiorentina fans would have said the same. Um, it was a sixty forty game, probably in their favour. But I think the wider point is, yeah, you know, it's, it's just kind of you know, Cremonese then go late later in the day. It was it was always going to happen that Cremonese were going to beat Roma after we'd messed up. But yeah, there's a few points on that. I think Cremonese in April, Cremonese over two games would be very different than Cremonese over one game. I think it would be easier for a bigger team to play them over two games. And I think they're on a bounce under the new coach. And I think either in April, they'll be really looking for survival because they've hit a great run. Or this kind of effect that Balladini's had would have would have worn off. I really don't expect them to get to the to get to the final. So yeah, in that sense, it's a, it's a massive missed opportunity. It's a kind of generational missed opportunity because we we don't get into these situations very often. I think, yeah, we can have a little bit of a chat about the kind of general mediocrity under Cairo in a minute, but I, yeah, I mean, just to close on the game, Fiorentina just, they had more, more bullets to come off the bench, didn't they? They just had the first goal, they slung a ball in the box and they've got a 20 million odd strike which scores quite a basic goal, but yeah, they had, they had that kind of player on there and then they're bringing on Amrabat are bringing on other players who can change a game. And we've got this kind of collection of players who we're hoping will have the season of their careers. We're hoping will emerge, but we've got a bunch of chances on our bench, really. Um, some of them may end up having good careers and some some of them may be good signings for us, but you, don't, you didn't look at our bench and think, wow, who's who's really going to come on and change the game and, and who's going to put, put fear onto them. It was a lot of, yeah, yeah, and it's always. I was quite surprised when Caramo came on, I was, but then when playing right wing back was 
Um, it was quite a good change, actually. But uh, yeah, I think their strong, stronger investment and stronger squad paid off. And yeah, I guess the thing on the game is Torino's approach to that second half. The first we gave, we gave the initiative away. We gave them enough confidence in those first twenty minutes of the second half to for them to exert themselves more into the game. And until that point, it had been quite an, quite an even contest. I think I think one important thing to remember, like you say, a lot of people, and I think we would include ourselves in that, disappointed with the result, disappointed with the game, but I don't think the performance was massively shameful in the way that we've had performances in the past. I think we, what we were wanting was another life and a once-in-a-lifetime performance like the Milan game in the in the round before where we sort of ride our luck but somehow managed to get a result against the odds. So we didn't have the deficit of, of having a man sent off. But I don't think Fiorentina played badly at all. I think we, we would have had to play really well to beat them. And obviously, I think the only way we probably could have, got, like, say, say Kone's goal hadn't scored, I don't think we would have. I don't think we would have scored. I think that goal was almost a byproduct of Fiorentina taking their foot off the gas, and then that's almost where it got a little bit edgy. You could see the fans once we scored, and. Then sort of we're getting a little bit of possession. The, the keeper, I think, straight away from the kickoff kicks it straight out of play, and you can see the fans getting a bit nervous. I think that was the only way I could see it. Maybe going into extra time was actually them thinking they'd won the game and then sort of almost throwing it away. Um, there's just one point that I wanted to, to um, pick up on. I'm not sure if people watching the game might have noticed it, but um, it is our friend Alarina who. Uh, He's been injured, so we've not really um, mentioned too much recently. But he, he came on in this game. I thought Singo actually played quite well. He had one good run at the start of the second half, which led to a chance. I think it was for Vlasic, where I don't think um, don't think the, the shot was particularly powerful. But there was an opportunity just before the goal where Torino have got the ball and Aina is in sort of like just past the halfway line in the sort of normal right wing back position. And he's got his uh, hands on his hips and not in the correct way to... It just seemed like a very strange attitude for a substitute to have. Not tired, just come on the pitch. And then the ball does come to Aina and he then has to take his hands off his hips and then miscontrols the ball and it goes out for a throw-in. And it, it that just stuck with me. It was just sort of something I don't think I've ever seen four with like a substitute didn't like sometimes you might see it where somebody's maybe frustrated but we had the ball just seemed like almost like he didn't want to come on and he didn't want to play and, and I just I, I found that a little bit strange and again I don't know whether whether it's just he maybe wasn't expecting the ball to come to him maybe just a little, maybe a little bit frustrated he didn't start the game but I suppose he's been injured whether he was hoping to get a move in the in the transfer window and that's not come to fruition but it just there was just, and I'm not sure if anybody will remember the clip or can find the clip, but just such a strange piece of the game, which probably summed up our attitude at the start of that second half. It just it looked like we just weren't really ready for it. We were just ready for Fiorentina to come along and and to score. Um, and yeah, I do. I, I think on another day, maybe the girl could have been disallowed. I think if it was Torino, I'm sure, I'm sure they would have given a yeah, free kick for the foul, but. Yeah, I think it's just a missed opportunity, and that's probably where the frustration was. I think if we'd um, got playing in a way, if you'd got absolutely thrashed two or three nil, and like Fiorentina massively 
the deserved winners. I suppose you can hold your hands up, but I think the fact that that game was winnable and that was one going to be our best chance for a cup semi-final for a, a number of years, you'd expect. I think that's where people. I think people are frustrated, are angry and 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 frustrated. But I think, well, we got to concentrate on the league now. There's a seventh place to uh, to try and get. Yeah, I mean, I think Rob, it's just it was an average performance. It wasn't a bad performance, but it was an average performance with predictable failings. We, you and I, sat on this podcast in the summer and identified the weaknesses in this squad, and they have not been. Uh, they've not been rectified. And it is just Urbano Cairo's approach to running Torino has been to create a team, a platform for them to finish in ninth or tenth place. That is where the investment's been. That's where uh, the salary cap's been. Every season, there's two or three positions. And it doesn't always take a massive amount of investment. It just takes a little bit extra. It takes um, to, to have a slightly better... Um, scouting system it's like to be to be more proactive we're not proactive we're losing players um mm. out of contract and we're i think not, we could, yeah yeah sorry to interrupt there but i think what you can almost tell and it was probably i think we discussed it in the last part and maybe your frustration as well if you look at the lukic transfer is almost a perfect example of that we could have kept lukic for an extra and i think i might have, I might have said yeah did make business sense, but actually, to take a two or three million pounds actually for an extra six months of a key player that allows Lich to have some sort of bedding in time with a compatriot who's able to sort of almost show in the ropes, so to speak, um, and gives you then we go into that game with our first choice centre midfield, we don't have to play Linetti, we don't have to play Lich in his debut, um, and that's the sort of thing which I think are more a more serious club in terms of qualifying for Europe and finishing in the European places, or at least competing for the European places. That's the sort of things that they are thinking about. They're thinking about actually, yeah, okay, it's going to cost us a couple of million pounds. I don't think Lukic was massively, massively sold on Fulham as a destination either. So I think he would have been happy to stay had there been a bit of interest from Torino to do that. And then who knows if we qualify for the Europa League or the Conference League, maybe Lukic thinks actually I'm going to stick around here. Um, I just think yeah, there's a lot of aspects of this club that could improve, and I think on the pitch was it's not been as bad as it has been previously in the in the last couple of seasons. I think there's still areas but where that, I think our fans' frustration is sort of kicking in. But that's what happens when your aim is ninth for tenth. Sometimes you have a season where you have a coach like Mazzari or Ventura who is able to maximise everything at the group. And then you have two or three players who have the season of their lives. And you have a few other clubs who've, um, who have bad seasons above you and you find yourself in seven, you know, in a seventh place or an eighth place. That That's Cairo's hope. And then you have other seasons where you point the wrong coach. You make one or two bad signings is all it takes. And you have seasons like we've had under Nicola and Giampaolo and Torino's a sort of piazza as well, where when things turn badly, they turn badly very quickly. So, yeah, and I just think this week we've seen some pretty embarrassing things. So the the, the transfer market finished uh, a few hours after our last pod. The next day, uh, Gazzetta della Sport, the, the North Korean daily, gives Torino eight out of ten. <laughs> the transfer uh, more, I think two, like I think the next best team got six and a half. Torino got eight out of ten, um, which was met with ridicule, kind of 
uh, everywhere, really, not just Torino fans, but, you know, even the most positive Torino fan would say, yeah, absolutely seven. If you if you want to look at it from a positive angle, you, you might give it seven, but most were giving it six. But then you got that eight. So, you know, it's that classic kind of, we talked about it on Tuesday as well, about how, you know, the biggest sports newspaper in Italy is not allowed to criticise Torino anymore. And then you have Tutto Sport, who seem to be intent on... There's a few quotes that came out from Juric this week, which, yeah, I don't quite think Juric said as well. Um, and, yeah, while I think the whole Juric-Vagnati thing from last week, Juric really played it down after the Fiorentina game. and It felt like a little bit, yeah, certain media outlets were kind of... It was in their interest to to kind of create this narrative where there are where a lot of tensions within the club, and there may or may not be. But it's just symptomatic that Cairo's trying to put the wall over, wall over of over our eyes really saying everything's brilliant um and it's just you know what i thought about after the fiorentina game is do you know what supporting torino is like what other team it's like supporting i'm not allowed to say this word because it's on the bingo card i think no it's not but i think torino there's a lot of england about torino yeah yeah this would have been the 30 years of hurt like 96 was the 66 there's this kind of yeah, massive history, slight delusions of grandeur sometimes. You know, this, the team always has its obvious flaws. Um, I don't know, I just felt... I and felt always, there's this, always seems to be some sort of heartbreaking quarter, way that they quarter, find a new way to lose. Quarterfinal exits. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just felt this week was a bit England from Torino, to be honest. And um, yeah, it's not, it's not a comparison I've ever made before. But yeah, maybe, maybe England are the, the kind of kind of 2000s but yeah I mean it's just um, as I said I've tried to take myself away from I, I think everybody else had the kind of um, the kind of post Fiorentina meltdown I kind of ha- I haven't let let myself have it because well we'll come on to it shortly is I'm going to see my first game in five years this weekend so very selfishly I think if Torino had won in Florence, they would they would have sacked off the Udinese match this weekend, which I'm going to see. So that, yeah, I guess I guess part of me has maybe been been focused on going this weekend, but I've not. Yeah, I've not kind of been as it's not hit me as badly as, as I thought, especially because I really built up this this Coppa Italia match, and um, and the other thing I was saying the Coppa Italia is it's difficult now because if Cremonese or Fiorentina win it, um. I don't think finishing in seventh will be enough for Europe. And then the other side of the draw, Juve managed to get the semi-finals thanks to a goal by Bremer in front of about five people at the Juventus Stadium. And then he left with Inter. So it's a sad situation when you want, we probably want Inter to win the Coppa Italia. But... Well, I'd ima- and I'd imagine if Juventus don't, depends where the UEFA will allow them in, but I suppose if, if Juventus don't, aren't able to sort of compete in Europe. I don't think they'd give it to the runners-up. I think they would give it to to seventh as well. Or they'd, they'd yeah, push, I mean, push it down into the league. But We all we all know if Torino are going to qualify for Europe, it would be, it would be because some, someone else has done something. They but how, so. how beautiful would it be if it was Juventus? Yeah, it would it would be poetry. But I think we got to... I just think, well, the, you know, we talked about not quite doing enough. I just felt that with a team in, in Florence as well, like Moranchuk... I don't really know what was wrong with his shooting, his kind of concentration, but Torino need 
certain players to to be on their game. And Mar- I was just Mar- going to Mar- make a, yeah, a quick yeah. word on on Nikola Vlasic, who we did mention in a sort of Balkan eleven, and you you quite rightly pointed out as Vlasic done enough. I think I get a little bit caught up in. I I'm a big fan of his work rate, and there was an opportunity where he sort of I think he he ran and closed down the defender and forced the corner, and, and that's the sort of thing where it's like. Okay, Breckler definitely wouldn't have done that. Marantic's not going to do that. That's probably the only player in the Torino team in that forward line in the past few years who would do something like that. But if you actually look at his goal record, he had that spell at the start of the season where he scored in three consecutive games. And since then, he scored once. But it's not just his goal record, Rob, as well. Is He doesn't look like scoring ever. And no. I don't, I don't think he's looked up from his laces in about five months. I'm not going to criticise his work rate. He's always there. But... He's just got his head down all of the time and kind of running into blind alleys. And then when he does look up, he's got oh, Mergen Voivoda on the over that. <laughs> why, bo- why bother? But um, yeah, it's he kind of he would he probably could do with a game out just to reset. Or the reason I say that is not I don't think Torino would be better without him in the team. But I think you know, give him a game where maybe he's coming off the bench and yeah. can play a slightly different role, and especially one defense. Once, as has Caramel actually had an opportunity playing either not as a wing back or not as a false nine? No, I don't think. I think Maybe Caramel. In the cut. I don't think he started. He effectively started the game at Bologna, uh, where he but gave that... probably one of the worst Torino performances I've ever seen. As a, I, I just don't think he's a central striker. No, but but he actually like he showed that sort of what the Torino fans are wanting and, and that sort of a little bit of energy, a little bit of desire. He looked like that was his sort of. It looked like that was his cup final. It was an amazing pull, well, it, yeah, amazing pull down he did, and I think just before Fiorentina's second goal, where he won the ball in midfield, pulled it down from the sky. Uh, kind of two of their players went in the opposite direction, and he he made a really positive pass. Yeah, I thought he was excellent when he came on, but yeah, um, but there's a, you know, there's a kind of few players like that. I felt um, playing Linetti over Adopo was. I don't think Linetti's looked particularly good since he gave that performance of probably of his Torino career in Rome. Um, but I think I don't really understand. Adopo played really well in Florence a few weeks ago, and not seen since. Sim- uh, similarly, Sec didn't even come off the bench. No, I mean, do we? I guess the, when we left it a few days ago in the last part with the culture of Mercato, we. I don't think we're too embarrassed by anything we said because we uh, we'd already brought in Illich. Uh, Gravion has come in as a kind of backup centre half, and as uh, I guess Hien, I don't think Hien would have come anyway from Verona because he's played for two teams already this season. That was one for next season, but he's come in as um, yeah, with a, a few injuries at the back, and then. There was one that was talked about before our last pod, which we didn't bring up, was the straight loan swap for uh, Ronaldo Vieira and um, Ilkan. Ilkan. I feel desperately sorry for Ilkan, an 18-year-old thrown into a new country. And, and I, 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 I just, yeah, I, I don't I, really... I find, I find the loan swap strange. Not from Torino's perspective. I think Torino have got the, the better end of the deal. Um, but I find it strange for a number of reasons. Firstly, uh, Ronaldo Vieira's loan fee, if we want to make it payment, is only €1 million, Euros, which I think is just ridiculously cheap for somebody who's actually been in Serie A. 
for a number of seasons and from what I've seen has has always performed quite well, did well for Leeds before he got the move to Samp. And then also in the situation, I mean, Ilkan can't get a game in Torino's team where we're safely in mid-table. Is he going to go and go into a team who are fighting for relegation and start playing? I just, I find, I find it a little bit strange. I don't think Ilkan's going to just start and start walking into the Samp team. No, but I guess a decision was made that Ilkan wasn't going to play very much. Any experience he gets at Sampdoria may be useful, and um, and Vieira was is more useful to us now. I mean, there's yeah. a few Leeds Leeds fans I contacted afterwards, and they they all really liked him as a player, and he's had a few injury issues, and apparently Leeds were quite keen on bringing him back recently as well. So, yeah, I mean, he's not. I don't think he's going to got those educated feet we, we're going to get in midfield, but I think sometimes next to a Richie or an Illich, you want someone who can get up and down the pitch and is quite physical. And Linetti's a bit of a halfway house sometimes. Um, he's he's willing, but he he's not physically imposing. He's not fast. Um, and he just tends to make a lot of fouls as well. Um, so I think if you've got... Yeah, I haven't seen enough of Vieira to know uh, if he's going to upgrade on on Linetti and Adopo. We'll have to see. And Juric has managed him before. Um, we didn't play many games under Juric. So no, I but I think it, I think he might have, maybe maybe he was injured, but but possibly uh, maybe it's a player who Juric is maybe not requested. But when the option came about, he was like, well, at least I know the player is probably better suited to what Torino needs than. Daniel can at this time at this time. So yeah, I think that'll be an interesting one to see how that one develops. Um but yeah, enough about the um the transfer market. How we let's um talk about your upcoming trip to Turin. Well you know my my record Well we commonly discuss my record on this podcast about watching Torino live. Um what's yours like, Peter? Well mine is very good. I've got an exceptional record in Serie B. Um, I've seen over 50 matches in Serie B and I think, yeah, I, 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 saw, I saw some horror shows in Serie B, but I think my win rate's probably pretty high in Serie B. Serie A, uh, so when I lived in Turin, um, Torino only, only ever played one Serie A match before being banned um, for, for crowd disturbance. So I didn't, any Serie A football I've seen has been... Um, the odd a couple of matches a season here and there, and I've tended to choose matches against much bigger teams. So, um, but I think my yeah my Serie A record I've never seen us win a Serie A match. <laughs> and I think I've probably seen something like twelve matches, and we've got something like four points. But I think looking back, the only one I saw a one-one home draw with Genoa, and that's probably the only match which we went into as favourites, to be honest. So, it, yeah, it's not a great record, but. Yeah, I'm not going to improve it by sitting at home, am I? So no, um, no, it's yeah, very, it's it's, it's been true. a lot. It's been a long time for me since um since I've been back in Turin. Um, I think even the, possibly the last match I saw was at the San Siro, and I, the last time I was at the Olimpico was a was the Joe Hart season, a two-two with Inter when uh wasn't Joe Hart's best day that one. I think um just just going back to what you were saying about how obviously when you've got a trip to Turin booked and you're going to a game, you your enthusiasm enthusiasm still isn't dampened by what you see on the the pitch beforehand. 
Um, and that does remind me that one of the last games I went to before I went in um, October last year uh, was the game or the two games before I was going over to Italy to watch Torino was the 7-0 at home against Atalanta. Um, and that, yeah, still didn't really dampen my enthusiasm until uh, I got to Lecce and uh, we lost 4-0. So, yeah, so hopefully it will go better than that. They won't have the double disappointment that then you can sort of react to the defeat against Fiorentina and also be annoyed at the the Udinese game as well. No, it's not a bad game to have because it's it's our direct rival essentially now for uh, who knows what it will be for, but let's just call it seventh place at the moment. Uh, I think whatever happens if we beat Udinese will be in seventh on Sunday evening, which won't be a bad position to be in, and and um, also like you say, with them being a direct rival, whilst obviously ideally we we'll win because we beat them in Udine back in October again, I think it was. We would then have the head-to-head record advantage, even if even a draw. So, yeah, I'm not going. I'm not going to see a draw. Yeah, not hoping they're just um, stick ten men behind the ball and and go for a nil-nil just to just to protect well, the head-to-head, but. No, and I shouldn't imagine they won't. I think they'll be... Torino are pretty flawed at home. We're, o- we're overdue We're overdue a few things. We're overdue in a good home performance. We're overdue scoring more than two goals at home or, or, or two goals in a match this season. Um, and very naively and positively, I think both will happen this weekend. But I think it's not, I think it's not a team we'll get that... Uh, maybe they'll come for a point, but I don't think they'll be a closed shop necessarily, which may... I think I think they make what, it a decent game. What the if you think of the other games that we've played since Christmas at at the Olympico or Gondotorino that uh, Hellas sort of played for percentages, set pieces, and managed to get one and got a goal and got a point. Spezia actually, I think, probably started with that game plan and then realised I think if they were a little bit more, more open because we were so bad, they probably could have won two or three nil. I think Udinese might be in a similar sort of mindset where they know that actually. They can score an early goal, like they're going to get opportunities on the counter, and then they can sort of make it a, a more open game than sort of what traditionally sort of other sides might come to 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 win and think that a point's a good result. So yeah, yeah. depends if Sotil has kind of seen that template that's worked in at in Turin recently, and and Udinese probably have more cutting edge than those two teams on the counter attack as well. Um, but yeah, trying 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 to be positive, um, and I think we have to go for it. I think if we want to, you know, the Coppa Italia is is a massive disappointment, um, and I think if we are to make sense of the season, uh, we're going to have to turn our league form around pretty quickly. And we go to Milan the week after. We, I know we've beaten them twice this season, but they've just had an absolute pounding at home to Sassuolo, and I just think they're probably going to be in reset kind of going back to basics mode it's the, it's the derby this weekend as well so yeah if... i don't I, I don't i can't remember how close the champions league matches are there as well so might be i think the reason why yeah, yeah i think, think the reason why after. The, yeah i think that's the reason why it's a friday night as well so yeah i mean in a way it's still, i mean unfortunately it's still quite tight in terms of the champions league and this is turning into a milan preview but in a way the, the league's gone really so they might start focusing on the uh, on the Champions League and and that might give us a, an opportunity. But yeah, we got Udinese first. Peter's going over. He's going to see his first uh, Torino Serie A victory. And prediction? 
I realised we never did predictions for the Fiorentina Coppa Italia game. So just well, FYI, I think, uh, my, I prediction was two, my prediction was 2-1. Um, I think that... Karamov score a late consolation. I think, listen back, mate, I think you said we'd win on penalties and I said uh, we'd we'd, we'd lose we'd lose by a single goal probably that next does sound time. Like something. So. You, can, you can tell which one of us uh, listens back to the podcast and which one of us didn't. Quality, um, control, quality control. All I'll say with Udinese is we often complain at Torino of poor records against teams but actually Udinese the last 10 at home we won six um drawn two which worries me a bit it's a bit too much of a good run that and um, the camp and I can remember us winning 5-1 away to Udinese beat them already this season away so probably one of the sides who we've yeah, got we have, a positive record against we don't yeah we don't have a bad record against them but yeah my prediction is 4-1 Toro <laughs> At this point, yeah. I, at, at this point, I feel like you just wanted me to get back into this competition. Um, we might even go a goal down, you know, and uh, yeah, four-one. I'm going to be really pessimistic, and the way I look at it is actually that if I predict a draw and we win, I'm still going to be happy. I don't think we're going to win four-one, so you're not going to get the, the the three points. So I'm going to go for a um, a two-two. Okay. Well, well, I see some goals either way. So uh, yeah, exactly. You, you'll, yeah. you get some entertainment. You get some um, sort of value for your money. All right. Well, I got a flight to catch and three points to bring home. So we'll reconvene um, post Udinese. Let's hope it's not a double, a doubly, de- doubly depressing result for the week. And uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be back with some good content. Hopefully, good content. Uh, some content next week anyway. So. Forza Toro. Forza Toro.